right. Well, good morning. If you are new with us, my name's Tim Deal. I am one of the pastors here. And this week, we are actually continuing a series that we started last week. If you were with us, uh, our friend Erica Henry uh, from the Holy District in Allentown kicked us off last week in our series that we're calling It's Kind of a Funny Story. Uh, and it's the book of Jonah. Now, Jonah is a, an interesting story, and, and it is actually pretty funny, which is why we called it that. Um, Jonah is this kind of small prophetic book that you find wedged in the middle of the Old Testament. Um, And it's a little different, and to give a brief synopsis for those of you who didn't catch it, if you didn't hear it, you can check the podcast later, you you definitely should. But to give you, kind of bring you up to speed, in the beginning of Jonah, we get introduced to kind of this, uh, this goofball of a prophet. And he gets the word of the Lord, which is what typically happens with prophets, but, but it's a little, Jonah's different because in prophetic books, generally the, you hear that the word of the Lord comes to the prophet, and then the rest of the book is that word. You like hear what that prophet says. You don't get that in Jonah. Instead, what you get is the word of the Lord coming to Jonah, and then you get a story about how Jonah kind of heads in the opposite direction. And so we looked at that in chapter one last week, and this week we're going to look at chapter two. And this is this is a really fun story. I just want to encourage you as we read it to enter into it and to listen to where you might find yourself in the story. Uh, Jonah is kind of, I mean, in my mind, Jonah is like the Chevy Chase of the Bible. So if you can just kind of put that lens on, if you've ever watched one of uh, Chevy Chase's movies, if you haven't, where have you been? Um, But he's kind of one of those characters in all of his films who somehow manages, despite his best efforts, to uh, kind of mess everything up in a way that it all comes back together in the end. And this is kind of who Jonah is. But you'll, you'll see that. So we're going to begin in Jonah chapter 2. You can take a minute and turn there if you'd like. Uh, it's, like I said, it's kind of wedged in the back of the Old Testament between Obadiah and Micah. If you have a Bible, you can use your table of contents. You'll probably need it. It's in the front. Um, while you're finding that, well, also, don't worry. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up here on the screen so you can follow it along. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we also want to invite you to grab one before you leave today. We have some extras on the back counter as our gift to you. We'd love for you to have one. But as you're looking for that, just a kind of a brief reminder or announcement. In just a couple of weeks, on August 25th, our community groups are kicking off. Um, community groups are small groups of folks who gather in people's homes, and they look to apply the teachings of Jesus to their everyday lives. So it's a time of kind of connecting and building meaningful friendships, but it's also a time to go, what does all of this stuff have to do with my life now? Um, and so if, if you're looking for kind of next steps in either growth spiritually or building relationships with others or both, really want to encourage you to make some time to join a community group. We'll have more information about where and when those are meeting coming up, but the first one will be Sunday, August 25th. Um, but again, more info is coming, and you can see uh, you can, there's a website you can check out on our website, uh, more information about that as well. All right, so back to Jonah. We're going to pick up in uh, chapter 2. Now, if you're looking at your Bibles, um, one thing you, you may not notice, but just kind of a, a nerdy point. Uh, so the original Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Then there was a Greek translation of it called the Septuagint. Most of your Bibles... The Old Testament that you're reading comes from the Greek translation, the Septuagint, and it has the last verse in uh, Jonah chapter 1 as verse 17 starts, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish. In the Hebrew, that's actually the first verse of chapter 2. 
It's not a huge deal, but it kind of affects the flow of the story. So we're actually going to start with verse 17. Sorry, nerdy point. We'll move on now. Um, so beginning in chapter 1, verse 17, and then moving into chapter 2. <clears throat> now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Let me pause there for just a second. If you're just joining us and this story is new for you, you're like, what the heck? How did we get here? Um, so remember in the beginning of the story, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. God says, hey, go to Nineveh, which is the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and tell them to basically to repent. Jonah goes the opposite direction, gets on a boat. Then God sends a storm. They realize it's because of Jonah. Then Jonah tells the, the pagan sailors to throw him overboard. They try to rescue the ship some other way because they don't want to throw him overboard, but it doesn't work. So then they throw him overboard, and that's where we get here. He lands in the water. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. So that's how we got here. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Now, whether you are someone who's kind of grown up in the church and you're familiar with Scripture, this story, or not, you probably have some kind of conception of the Jonah story. And if I were to say Jonah and the, you would likely respond with what? Whale, right? You respond with whale. Interestingly, that is not how the story goes. It's not about a whale. It's about a fish. Minor detail, but interesting, right? So it's a fish. And generally speaking, I don't know about you, but in, in my upbringing, uh, I often kind of perceived of this fish as like a punishment because Jonah is running away from God. Jonah is doing the opposite of what God wants Jonah to do. God decides not only is he going to send this storm to make things difficult for Jonah, but just for giggles, he's going to send a fish to swallow him, so Jonah has to deal with that for like three days, right? But that's not actually how the story goes. The fish is not a means of punishment, but a means of mercy. The fish is how God keeps Jonah safe, even in the midst of Jonah's determination to get away from God. It's a picture of God's mercy. God sends a fish to catch Jonah as he's plummeting downward. And this whole thing is like a downward spiral for Jonah. Erica mentioned this a little bit last week if you were with us, but if you notice the progression all from the beginning— you see the language is very specific in the text. Jonah goes down, after the word of the Lord comes, Jonah goes down to Joppa. And then he goes down to the ship. And then he goes down to the bottom of the ship, at which time he sleeps. Then the storm comes, and he's, he's talking to the pagan sailors, and he's like, hey, this is because of me, throw me overboard. 
and they do. And so he goes down into the water, at which point he's swallowed by the fish. And then listen to how he talks about it as he's praying. He says he was engulfed by the waters buried beneath the waves. He goes down under the waves. He sank down to the roots of the mountain. He was imprisoned in the earth, even further still. He calls to God from the land of the dead. The Greek word there is sheol. So Jonah, I mean, you want to talk about a downward spiral, right? Like, he goes down, 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 down. The whole, I mean, as far down as you can go, he goes down to the depths, even to the place of the dead. Sheol. Jonah is hanging on to this rebellion, this, this hatred of the Ninevites so strongly that he's allowing it to take him down as far as he can stand and even further. Um, maybe it's because, uh, my, so my family and I, we just went on a, a little bit of a trip this past week. If you know us and you know any of my people, you would have seen them around wearing various cowboy paraphernalia. That's because we tourists did it really hard in Nashville, right? So we went down and we saw some families, some family, and on the way up, we stopped in Nashville for like a day and a half. And while we were there, um, I, definitely some people in my family got cowboy boots and hats. Not me, but there are those who did, and you'll see them. Um, but we had a great time, and I actually, you know, even though I have professed strongly my distaste for country music from up here in the past, I, it actually it moved up a couple notches. You can ask me about that later, but there were some things I learned. I know there were some things I learned that made me go, "Oh, interesting." So anyway, but maybe it's because of that that I was actually, ref- as I was reading this, I couldn't get a Zac Brown Band song out of my head. There's this new one. Um, maybe you've heard it. It's called "Someone I Used to Know." And in this song, the song itself is actually about uh, someone's struggle with PTSD. The chorus says this. It says, it's been a long time coming, couldn't keep on running, had to hit rock bottom to know. When you keep on losing with the pass, path you're choosing, and it's time to let go of someone that I used to know. Right? Some of you are singing it. You're going, yeah, I love that song. Um, and I feel like this is Jonah's theme song. Right? Like that he holds on to this this. I don't know what else you could describe it other than this, this hatred of the Ninevites, the Assyrians, for so long that it sinks him the whole way down to Sheol. And whether it's just outright hatred, whether it's fear, I mean, it's not really surprising if you know who the Ninevites were, who the Assyrians were. This shouldn't come to a surprise. And the ancient readers, those who would have heard this story, they would have probably felt kind of at one with Jonah and his distaste for these people. I mean, the Assyrians were not people to mess around with. So at the time that Assyria was kind of the, the superpower in the known world, they were just kind of taking over everybody. And at this time, Israel was separated into two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom, which was Israel. There was the southern kingdom, which, which, which was Judah. Around 722 B.C. Sorry, we're getting a little nerdy here for just a second. Around 722 B.C., Israel, um, Assyria sacked Israel. So they completely overran Israel. And they began uh, taking, uh, raiding Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah. That's about the time that we're in right now as Jonah gets this word. So Assyria is right at the door knocking. They're raiding in. They're foreign invaders coming to take over Judah. And these are nasty people. What we know about the Assyrians from ancient uh, writings and art, you can see a little bit of the art here, is they like to do something with the people they conquered. They would impale them alive on spears and skin them alive. 
So these were not the kinds of people that you kind of felt compassion towards, particularly if you're one of the people who is kind of worried that you or your family might find themselves on the wrong end of the spear. And so it's kind of understandable that when God says, hey, I want you to go to the capital city of these people and give them a message so that they'll repent, that Jonah's like, no thanks. So whether it's hatred, whether it's fear, whether it's a sense of superiority, whether it's simply self-protection, we don't exactly know. But whatever it was, Jonah held tightly to it. And it took him the whole way down. Until we get to this moment where he prays. And the prayer is interesting because it's not particularly like a repentant prayer. This isn't really Jonah saying like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. But it does kind of acknowledge a shift. I guess you could even say a release. Where Jonah lets go of whatever it is he's holding on to. And says, okay, in the end, you're God. And then we read that God tells the fish to go spit Jonah up on dry land. After he lets go of whatever it is he's holding, at least for a moment, and surrenders to God, he's burped up onto the the land. Now, one of the things that's really interesting, again, if you kind of look at the the original language, so the word fish, again, fish, not whale, the word, word fish is used four times. Three of the four times, it's masculine. One of the four times, it's feminine. Now, the word is feminine when we read that Jonah is in the belly of the whale. Now, why is that? Well, because the whale is pregnant with Jonah. As long as Jonah holds on He spirals downward. It's a death spiral. But the moment he lets go, he's reborn. The spitting out on the land, is a, it's a rebirth. Jonah is born again. And he begins a new direction. He begins a new journey. And one of the things Erica invited us to consider last week that I would invite us to kind of step back into each time we come to this text is to ask the question, so how am I Jonah? And in this context, I think that question is, what are you holding on to? There are things that you and I hold on to that we refuse to let go of that will take us down. You know this. Some of you have been in those death spirals. Some of you may actually be now. We might be very aware of their destructive tendencies in our lives, but for whatever reason, we refuse to let go. This story isn't just about some ancient prophet. This story is about you. It's about me. What are you holding on to? It could be some past hurt that someone caused you that you just can't let go of. 
You're, you're unwilling or unable to offer forgiveness. And so you hang on all the way down. It could be a sense of pride, a desire to control your future, the people in your life. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you find yourself being a particularly fearful person. It could be something that's happened in your past that you can't get over. Or a desire for the future that you just can't let go of. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. There are things that if we hold on to them, they'll sink us. What are you holding on to? What is that for you? And I would suggest that whatever it is, the invitation of Jonah is to let it go. And to turn instead to the mercy of Jesus. Now you might be saying, well that's interesting, this story has nothing to do with Jesus, but now you talk about Jesus. Funny you should ask that. Um, It's not for nothing that when Jesus is talking about his own death and resurrection, he roots it in the story, the narrative of Jonah. So in Matthew chapter 12, when Jesus is talking about his death, he says this, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. When Jesus talks about his own death and resurrection, he roots it in this story of Jonah. So when we think about this experience of holding on to whatever it is we won't let go of, taking us down to the depths and letting go, in the end, the invitation from Jesus is to realize that what takes us to the top and gives us new life isn't our ability to somehow turn from that and build something else on our own. It's our willingness to turn and trust in the mercy of God that we find in the person of Jesus. What Jonah needed to do is let go of whatever preconceptions he had about how life ought to work with himself and with his enemies and instead turn and give himself to God's mercy, God's mercy for himself and God's mercy towards others. And it's the same for us. The invitation of Jonah is for us to recognize that we need to let go of whatever it is we're holding on to that's dragging us down and instead turn to God's mercy. Mercy, like the fish, catches us and spits us out so that we're going in the right direction. But it's not just about what, it's not just a story about us, though that's, you're kind of, you and I are, are kind of a, an important character in the story. It's really a story about God and what God is like. And that's why I think the fish is actually important, even though it's funny because if you knew nothing of the story, you would think that the main, the main thing in the story is the fish, the whale, and Jonah, that whole thing. But it's actually just kind of like a, it's a turning point. But there's much more. Really, the story is about God. That despite Jonah's refusal, despite his rebellion and his kind of heading in the absolute wrong direction, God pursues Jonah. God catches Jonah in mercy. God is 
one who pursues us when we run from him. Who pursues us no matter how far the no matter how far we go, God pursues. No matter how deep we sink, the the invitation is always there to let go and to turn. God is rich in mercy. One of God's primary characteristics is mercy. It's not often how we perceive of God. We often think of God as one who like, gives us what we deserve. Right? We think of God in, in terms of kind of karma. God, God is one who makes sure we get what we deserve. And so we better be good or we're going to get it. But that's actually not at all what God is like. God is one who pursues us in spite of the fact that we don't deserve it, in, in spite of the fact that we reject him and run the opposite direction God pursues and uses all the resources at God's disposal to provide opportunity for us to finally recognize that we're in a death spiral and let go of that and instead turn to him and receive his mercy. That is what God is like. And that's kind of the key to the story of Jonah learning the character of God, and that when we finally let go, what awaits us is not judgment, but mercy. And so I think it's, it's kind of a, a fitting morning to celebrate baptism. Because what is baptism if not a symbol of that very experience? 